Life by Divine with Sue DeMay fosters deep healing and profound awakenings as she guides you to hear, answer, and trust the highest calling of your heart. Your host and sacred guide is global impact visionary leader Sue DeMay, a best-selling author, international speaker, and gifted intuitive healer who challenges all of us to shift from life by default or even life by design to truly living life by divine. And now, here is Sue DeMay. Welcome to the show once again. It's an honor to be here with you and to enter your life and to sprinkle your life with insights and guidance and the energy and vibrational attunement of love. For me, this week, it has... uh, been an interesting time. Needless to say, I've shared a little bit in the last two or three weeks about the challenges. Um, I'm having a specific challenge that I'm working through and kind of facing mm, kind of an external experience of a really prominent, powerful ego in a couple other people. And there's a lot of arrows being thrown. I'm kind of dodging those arrows and doing my best to remain in alignment. And the one thing I've noticed over the last month or so is that I'm really counting on my mindfulness and meditation practice. So today I want to talk about easy tips and tools for mindfulness and meditation. And there's a lot of people that that really struggle with meditation, struggle to understand it, struggle to practice it, you know, start with a practice and then fall off the wagon with the practice. And for me, it's, it's been a journey. I've been doing meditation for many years now. I, I can't even quite remember how long it's been. It's well before my son was born, so it's over 15 years. And I found that meditation is a really powerful practice. It's a simple idea, but it's not always easy. And today I want to talk about just how the mind works to help you understand how meditation helps the mind and how we actually are currently using the mind in ways that can actually help us with our meditation and mindfulness practice and ways that we use the mind that can actually hinder our mindfulness and meditation practice. So today my intention is to give you just little tips and tools, little things that I've used over the years and little ideas that are simple and easy to integrate, not always... mm, ones that you're going to resonate with. So you have to really kind of take the ones that resonate and bring those into your life and then leave the rest behind. It was probably about a year or so ago, I think I did a 100-day meditation challenge and I had, every day I posted something and little tips and tools that came along with that. And as I was reflecting back on that this morning, I was remembering back to different things that would come in because I didn't have it prepared ahead of time. I get the guidance and then I just show up and I share what what I got guided to share that day. Sometimes it was a quote image. Sometimes it was a little video. Sometimes it was just me just sharing a a tool that I use. And so some of those tools have kind of come back in and and a few of them made me chuckle again because they were actually quite neat the way they came in for me in that practice in the 100-day meditation challenge as well as for those that were participating with me. Now, to understand the mind is to be able to calm the mind in enough to come along for the ride in the way of mindfulness and meditation. So I'm going to help you understand the mind a little bit. Let's talk about how the mind works first. And, and then we can talk about how to calm the mind. 
when we look at the mind and, and you kind of sink into this moment right here, even if you closed your eyes right now and tuned in, I'm going to encourage you to do that. If you're, if it's safe for you to close your eyes, to tune in and just notice your mind, notice what's happening up there. Is it busy? Is it quiet? Is it listening and wide open or is it kind of listening, but it's got another dialogue going on at the same time? Are you thinking about your grocery list while you're listening to me? Or are you actually able to sink in and really be present to what I'm saying? to my words, into this moment. And if you're noticing thoughts coming and going in your mind, are they coming quickly? Are they really slow coming in, like trickling in? Or are they speedy fast? Just notice your mind first. Without changing, without judging, you're simply noticing and observing the mind as it is. And when you take kind of a mental imprint of how the mind is in this moment, when you kind of look back as a whole in your life, is that kind of the common state of your mind? Is it commonly busy? Is it usually quiet? Is it easy to sink into meditation or is it impossible for you to sit still and for your mind to calm? Just kind of reflect on how it is right now, but also how it's been for you when you shifted into meditation or mindfulness. Take some deep breaths here as we, as we continue. You can keep your eyes closed or you can open them, but I would encourage you to keep your awareness as inward as possible for this entire episode if you're able to. That will allow you to actually really go inward and see what's really going on. When it comes to the mind, it's, it's, it's often we're trained and programmed to be busy. Mind likes to be busy. It likes to have a task. It likes to be doing something. That's what we're trained to do. We're trained to do something, and the mind likes to have something to do. So, in meditation and mindfulness, I find some of the best practices, especially at the beginning for those that have a busy mind, is to give the mind something to focus on, give it something to do. And even in that, when you're giving the mind something to do, it can get distracted, it can go off in different tangents, and all of a sudden you find yourself thinking about you know, what you're going to be doing tomorrow or what you still have to do later today. And in those moments, instead of adding judgment, which is the ego coming in, you can simply observe, oh, my mind has wandered and you gently bring it back and bring it back to that point of focus, whatever that point of focus was for your meditation, whether it's your breath or something else. It's in that moment that you recognize you've wandered off. If you can neutrally or without judgment curiously just bring it right back compassionately just bring your attention right back to the present moment then you're less likely to kind of get wound up in more of that thinking and and activity in the mind the mind is just naturally trained as well not naturally trained it's, it's programmed and trained to be busy it's programmed and trained to do something now if we give the mind a task then it can focus on the task. But if we're used to being individuals that go from one thing to the next or multitaskers or people that are really, really busy and, and their mind never really slows down, then it's harder to actually bring the mind into focus onto one thing. And the mind's just going to want to go into that default setting of being busy and jumping from thought to thought really quickly or whatever the pace it, it generally takes. When we look at slowing the mind or 
focusing the mind, it's a practice. You're not going to be able to instantly stop if you've been kind of training the mind to be one way for a long time. It's not going to instantly stop. You're not going to sit down in meditation and there's going to be this beautiful space in your mind and and you're going to have no issues and it's going to be calm. That's not how it works. The reason it's called a practice of meditation is because it's a practice. It's something we do each day. It's something that we incorporate and use over and over again. And the practice can change and shift. And there's different ways that we can practice meditation and mindfulness throughout the day, as well as if we sit down and and actually make it a meditation practice for five or 10 or 30 minutes, whatever it is. There are certain tools that you can use that will allow you to work with the mind. The one thing about the mind is that we can only have one single thought at one single moment. Now, those thoughts come really quickly for a lot of people. So it's like, boom, 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 boom. You have this thought after thought after thought after thought. And it feels like a a storm of thoughts, but really it's one thought at one single moment. Now, there's a lot of psychologists that say we can have up to 60,000 thoughts a day. So that's a lot of activity and a lot of thoughts streaming through the mind every day. But the good news is, if you focus back on the idea that you can only have one single thought at one single moment, if you go back to the present moment, then we have an opening to interfere or pause or break that cycle of thoughts. It's in the moment that we're able to do that. So different tools that I've used over the years and different things you can try is asking yourself a question that evokes curiosity or wonderment. So one of my favorite questions to ask if my mind is really busy or for people that are really just starting out and find that their thoughts are really one after the other is to take a deep breath, close your eyes and ask or say the words, I wonder what thought I will have next. I wonder what thought I will have next. Wonderment and curiosity kind of wakes up a different part of the brain. So it kind of opens up this like, oh, I wonder. And and then there's a pause. What we're looking for is the pause. It's in the pause where there's space. And it's in the space where we can actually connect to the heart, where we can actually hear the divine nature within us, our divine spirit speaking to us and, and guiding us from there. So we want to create these pauses or interruptions in the trains of thought, in your train of thought. So if your train of thought is really super busy, you can even imagine just a stop sign. And if you imagine just a stop sign in your mind and you say stop, like as in stop the thoughts, you may have a moment of pause and then they come up again, the train keeps going, that's okay, totally okay. Don't judge that. That's common in the beginning. But the more you do these kinds of tools, then the more you're going to be able to practice and retrain the brain to actually slow down and to pause and create some space. I remember back when I was, it was probably just when my son was born, or just before my son was born, I was, I used to teach kickboxing and step classes and hardcore muscle classes and all those kinds of things. I was a fitness instructor, group fitness instructor. And I went from doing the kickboxing to doing power yoga because all their kinds of yoga was too slow for me. I was like constantly on the go. I was addicted to adrenaline. It was just like a go, 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 go. I was very passionate about what I was doing, but anytime I would sit and talk to my husband and, and I would pause in my conversation, he's like, what are you thinking about? 
and it literally I paused for like 30 seconds and now he's like what are you thinking about and I would be like well uh, we were talking about this and I was thinking about that person and then I was thinking I need to get some groceries and we're really out of this and then I thought maybe for dinner for tomorrow we could do this and then I still need to get gas and he's like whoa like seriously you got all that in 30 seconds I'm like well there was a little bit more in there but I didn't fill you in on everything so I, he found it quite funny that my mind was so active and so busy, but it made sense because I was active and I was so busy in my life at that time. So the same thing would happen with him and he would pause, we'd be talking and he would pause and he'd get quiet and he would just kind of stare off at something for 30 seconds. I'm like, what are you thinking about? He's like, nothing. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> thinking of nothing. How can you be thinking of nothing? He's like, nothing. I'm like, you mean it's blank? Like there's nothing, like it's empty. And he's like, yeah. He goes, well, maybe there's like, and I was like, I couldn't fathom an idea of a blank mind because mine just was so not blank ever at that time. So when I started to do power yoga and then I started to, to, to go move into more of the slower yogas, I found it excruciatingly painful to stop not only for my mind, but physically as well, because I was pushing my body to its limits. I was teaching three or four classes a day. And I was not only like uh, helping my clients with kickboxing and teaching kickboxing classes, but I was doing one-on-one work where I was doing pad work. So they were hitting me with the pad, like I was holding the pads, they were hitting me, there was contact. And my body was really beat up. And I found that sitting in meditation I was very aware of all the physical pain all of a sudden. I became very mindful of everything that I was trying to avoid and deny and numb out. And it was, it was really uncomfortable, physically uncomfortable. And I also discovered over the years that the more my physical body was in chaos, the more my physical body was in pain, the busier my mind became as well, the more hectic my mind became. So if my body was hectic, my mind was hectic. If my body was in pain, my mind was busy. So I, fi- I found that direct connection between my physical and my mental body. And then I started to recognize as I sat in meditation, sometimes there was so much emotions rising up that I just, I couldn't handle it. So I would pull myself out and I thought, well, that was, that was painful or I, I couldn't sit still. I was squirmish. I wanted to get up. And it was a very interesting practice at the beginning and it wasn't easy. It was very challenging in fact. And I found that the more and more I did it, the easier and easier it became. But there were certain layers and moments that I had to stay and hold steady in order to move through. So I remember this one particular meditation I was doing. I was sitting in my yoga room at our old place. And it was four or five in the morning. I would wake up really early to do a yoga meditation practice. I I decided that for that whole year, every single day I was going to do yoga meditation. And so I woke up about five before any of the animals or any of the family or kids or anything woke up. And I was sitting in meditation one morning and I felt this like real fear rise up in me. And then this, this fear of attack, like, um, like a violent attack, like a rape. And um, my body started to shake my, I even as I'm recalling it, my, my voice is getting crackly. I can feel how I felt in that moment. It was intense. And I did have an experience like that in my life. So I feel like it was a little bit of a memory coming through on that emotional and physical level and energetic level. 
And it was really challenging for me to sit still with that. But I just kept hearing the words, be with it, just stay, hold the course, stay here. And I kept breathing and I kept focusing and I kept staying with it. And then that big layer of density just rose and cleared. And I haven't had that experience since in meditation. So there are times where you sit down in meditation and then there's this like big rising up of something that needs to heal. So it's not always easy. And I understand that. And, and I'm just going to encourage you just to stick with it and do what you can. And sometimes you may need a, someone guiding you through a meditation. You may need to listen to someone walking you through it in order to stay focused, in order to move through any of those dense layers, in order to feel those emotions that are rising up for your healing. So I just want you to recognize that, you know, if you haven't been able to successfully incorporate a meditation practice up until now, it's, it's okay. Let, let it go. Forgive yourself. Just focus today. What can I do in this moment? Where can I go from here? When it comes to the mind, going back to pausing those thoughts, using that stop sign, you can imagine kind of pausing the train. When I first bring people into meditation that have never meditated before, I like to bring them up into their mind, like actually go up in there, similar to what I did just earlier in the show. Just go up in the mind and see what's happening there. Observe it. Don't judge it. Don't try and change it. Just notice what's happening, almost like you're watching a movie. And you can even do this as I'm talking to you right now. Any of the tools I'm going to talk about, you can practice right here as I'm, I'm sharing with you. When you're up in the mind and observing the mind, it's, it's essential that you're not in judgment. You're observing like you're witnessing. Witness your thoughts come and go. Notice the pace of the thoughts. Notice if there's any space between the thoughts. And you might even notice the quality of the thoughts. And as you're there kind of pausing and, and listening and paying attention to the thoughts as the observer, imagine you could take a remote and just push pause on the program in your mind. And imagine your thoughts all just stop for a moment. Now they might just pause for a blip and then all of a sudden it just automatically starts without your you're wanting to press play again, it's okay. And then just press pause again for a moment, see what happens. Or even slow them down a little bit. Imagine you could change the pace and slow it down. You know, like slow rewind for a movie or, or a slow fast forward for a movie. When you're in your mind observing your thoughts, you can create these pauses or these spaces between your thoughts. And it's in those spaces where we can actually calm the mind. And eventually, you'll start to notice those spaces get a little bit bigger. Those gaps between the thoughts kind of extend a little bit more. And ultimately, what we're looking for is to have more of a quieter mind, maybe less thoughts maybe less of speed, slower thoughts, maybe more better quality thoughts. Maybe that's the step that you want to take is go from the negative thoughts to more quality thoughts, loving thoughts, compassionate thoughts. When we give the mind something to do, it calms the mind because it's satisfied that it has a task. So certain tools and tips that I've used over the years is to actually use the mind in the meditation. So I just talked about observing the mind and kind of sitting back and watching it. Now we're actually going to talk about using the mind. So 
Oh, one tool I'll just change. I'll just share really quickly because it's related to actually creating, creating a pause in the thoughts. I remember when I was doing the 100 day meditation challenge, I remember one day my mind was quite busy that morning and I was kind of sitting in it and I, I, was, try- <laughs> I was trying to do my meditation. That's kind of a funny way of saying it. A lot of people say that I'm trying my, to do a meditation. Don't try, just be, be in the meditation. And my mind kept coming in and my mind kept coming in. These thoughts kept streaming in. So finally, I just hear the word, shh, I'm meditating. And then my mind would thought, would calm, everything would go quiet. And then the thoughts would, would come again. So the train would start again. And I'm like, shh, I'm meditating. And all the thoughts would calm and there would be this pause. So that was one of the tools that I shared in the 100-day meditation. And it was kind of fun because for me, it just made me smile every time I did, shh, I'm meditating. So I'm just telling my mind what I was doing. And it would go quiet and then it would be like all everything would go on again but it was a an interesting morning so giving your mind a task you can use your words so if you breathe in and breathe out focus on your breath your breath is a beautiful anchor for the present moment it's a, a the most reliable tool you have to help with meditation and when you're breathing you're meditating period. When the Dalai Lama says sleep is the best meditation, I like that one too. When you're sleeping, you're meditating because you're, you can calm, the mind is kind of in that state of meditative state. So what we're looking at when you give the mind a task is to keep it focused on one thing. If it wanders off without judgment, don't judge because that adds ego in the, in the picture. Just gently bring it back and go back onto task. So one task you could do is as you're breathing in and out, just say that, say those words. You can say them out loud. You can say them in your mind. Just give your mind a task. So as you breathe in, I'm breathing in. And as you breathe out, I'm breathing out. So you're just repeating the words. I'm breathing in. I'm breathing out. I'm breathing in. I'm breathing out. Something as simple as that can shift your experience. The other beautiful thing that the breath does is it changes our system, our sympathetic nervous system from that sympathetic nervous system, that flight and fight response, that flight, fight and freeze into and turns on the parasympathetic nervous system. So we go from stress to rest and restore. It's in that rest and restore and that we can go into that meditative state in the mind. And it's in that rest and restore where all healing occurs for disease and for the body and beyond. So when we are able to use the breath, we can turn off the stress response and turn on that rest and restore response in the body. The breath itself, if you have your mouth and nose closed, and you're taking 10 deep breaths in and out through the nose, keeping the throat soft, keeping everything soft as you breathe, and breathing as deeply as is comfortable without forcing your breath. So you may have to take a longer exhale to create space for a longer inhale. And as you do that, as you're breathing in and out of the nose for 10 deep breaths, You can do this with your eyes closed, your eyes open. 
that those longer, deeper breaths actually shift the body from that stress response to the rest and restore response. It turns off the sympathetic nervous system and turns on the parasympathetic nervous system. That's 10 simple breaths. That's what it can do. Now, after you do that breathing, you might actually jump right back into that stress response in the body because there's other things you need to look at and heal, the subconscious mind and all those kinds of things. But I'm just giving you tools to help you in this moment begin to practice. And the more you practice, the more the mind learns to calm and to come along for the ride. When it comes to using your breath and your mind together, you can also use affirmation breathing. I love affirmation breathing. You can breathe in the words, I am, exhale the word calm. And then again, breathe in the word, I am, exhale the word calm. Or on your breath in, you can say, I am calm. And as you exhale, yes, I am. Inhale the words, I am calm. Exhale, yes, I am. And you can even smile with gratitude. When you're breathing in, you can pause on the inhale. Just pause before you take the transition. And then as you exhale, just say thank you. You can breathe in yes. And exhale with the word thank you. Gratitude is great at softening, especially in the heart center and the chest and the lungs and the throat. So when we soften, we can actually allow the breath to deepen. And when we deepen the breath, we actually get more oxygen into our lungs. If we get more oxygen into our lungs, we get more oxygen into our body. But it also is telling the adrenals and the, the stress response in the body to calm down. Everything is okay. Everything is good. And whatever words you want to use on those affirmation breaths, you can use. Like if you want to bring in more peace, you want to bring in love, you want to bring in abundance, doesn't matter what it is, you can use it. Pick the word that resonates with you. The other one with that is inhaling the positive, exhaling the negative. I like to use that one as well. It's one that I recommend a lot. So let's say you're feeling stress and you want to feel calm. You can inhale calm and you can imagine it coming in as a light, as an intention, as an energy, as a stream of water. It doesn't really matter. It just bring it in. So imagine breathing in with your breath, calm and exhaling stress, anxiety. If you're feeling afraid, you can inhale, inhale confidence or inhale courage and exhale fear. Whatever it is, if you're feeling worry, you can inhale trust and exhale worry. Inhaling what you want to bring in, exhaling what you want to release. And when you're exhaling, it's helpful to actually on that one, I'd like to actually open the mouth and breathe out through the mouth. And the visual I often have is like a cloud or darkness or density or, or something coming out of the mouth, maybe a little shadow or tension or tightness. You can even shift into the physical body and use your breath that way too, is inhaling softness and exhaling tension. It's another way to do it. 
So what we're doing is we're kind of using the mind, giving it a task, something to focus on, and using it to help heal the body or help to shift you from feeling stressed or anxious or afraid into feeling calm, loving, and present. So those are some of the tools. I'm going to share more after we take a break, but these are some of the ways that you can start to create a mindfulness and meditation practice in your life. And after the break, I want to talk about how you can actually take your meditation into your everyday moments as you're going to the grocery store, as you're driving, all those things. Because for me, meditation isn't just sitting on a pillow. It's not just sitting on a chair or on a yoga mat. It's actually every day, every moment of my life. And my life has basically become a living, breathing meditation. And I'm going to share more on how you can create your life to have the same experience. We'll be right back. The Heart-Led Living Intuition Academy with Sue DeMay is a unique, unschooling experience designed to unwind, clear, and align your intuitive channel. And the doors are open for you now. Experience unwavering faith and deep trust in your intuition as you strengthen your connection to source, allowing you to walk through every moment with more peace, confidence, clarity, and certainty. Experience this deep personal transformation with Sue's guidance, including the option to share what you learn as a certified intuitive coach. This is your time to unwind and reprogram your mind, to rebuild your foundation and realign with your intuitive heart. Enrollment is now open. Apply today at heartledliving.com forward slash intuition academy. Again, that's heartledliving.com forward slash intuition academy. Welcome back. You're listening to Life by Divine and I am your host, Sue Dumay. Today, I've been talking about easy tips and tools for mindfulness and meditation and ways that you can bring those things into your life easily and effortlessly. It's, meditation is, is a really simple practice, but most people make it complicated. And the ego definitely likes to make it complicated and hard and confusing and then questioning what are you doing it right. So it creates a lot of doubt as well. I like to actually use meditation to watch my ego sometimes. I'm just kind of watching my ego and its thoughts and it's kind of train train wreck sometimes. And I, I sit back like it's like I'm watching a movie. And it's quite entertaining when you can actually step back and be the compassionate witness and and see the ego a little bit of sep- a little separated from yourself because we get so intertwined with fear and with ego that we feel like it's so much a part of us. But it's not. It's actually it's not real. It's something that we've created in our mind. So it ends up being helpful in the beginning to actually see it as separate from yourself so that you can witness the ego in all its little temper tantrums and tactics and all those things it's trying to do to, to bring you down into a wormhole and to make you buy into the fear that it's uh, putting out there. I talked earlier about meditation as a practice in kind of fix focusing the mind on a certain task or giving it something to do because the mind likes to have something to do. I'm going to talk a little bit about the, the nature of the mind and, and why we actually are using the mind wrong and not wrong in the way of like, you know, you're, you're doing it wrong, but just it's not optimal. So 
the way the mind is meant to work is it's meant to be a tool used to support us in our humanness. We've learned and we've been programmed to put the mind first and to be logical and reasonable and think about things and figure things out and worry about this, worry about that. So we've kind of put basically the mind in the driver's seat and we've kind of pushed the heart or spirit or soul into the passenger seat. When we do that, we're actually giving the mind full control over something that it doesn't really know how to navigate. The true role of the mind is to be a tool to support us, not to lead us. It's not meant to be the leader. It's meant to be in the passenger seat. So when we can shift from head to heart and put the heart in the driver's seat, put our more, more intuitively lead our life, let our spirit or our soul lead our life, let the divine, this is life by divine, this is where we can actually really have the greatest impact on our lives and everyone else's lives. So when we are operating from that place of letting the divine work through us, we're actually putting our heart in the driver's seat and our mind in the passenger seat. And when we do that, even in the meditation of visualization saying, okay, head, you've been in, you've been in the control for way too long. You've been in the driver's seat for way too long. Move over. Then the mind gets to relax a little bit because it's a big job to lead. It's a big job to take care of everything and anticipate everything and figure things out. And it, and the ego loves that and it feeds on that. So it feeds our fear when we can move the mind into the passenger seat, you can just sit back and relax, enjoy the scenery and follow the directions. So the mind ends up just following the directions of the heart, the guidance that comes through. So the mind then becomes the tool, not the leader. It becomes the tool. And when we allow the heart to lead, when we allow our intuitive nature to lead us, then the mind can actually calm down and relax a little bit. There's not that pressure that we put on ourselves to figure it out, to make it happen. We can actually follow the guidance moment by moment, and we will actually feel more calm. We won't. We won't have so much worry and stress. And the interesting thing with that particular idea or meditation, seeing your heart in the driver's seat and seeing your mind in the passenger seat, is is it sounds really simple, but it's really powerful and profound, the, the impact that that can have, especially if it's not just while you're sitting in meditation. But if you're doing it day to day, moment to moment, then that's where the real shifts can happen for you. That's where you can really shift out of fear and worry and anxiety and pressure and stress and move into more of a calm, trusting grounded nature. I talked earlier about how my mind was so busy and it was so hectic all the time. And when I started teaching yoga, I would teach about the space between your thoughts. I would still talk about it because I knew it was possible. I just didn't experience it a lot. And I remember doing my yoga therapy training. I went to, I flew to Florida for a course, level one and level two. And when I was taking the, the training, I think it was on about day five of the training of part one. I 
was receiving some yoga therapy. We were practicing on each other. And all of a sudden, this thing happened in my mind. It was almost like a, like a, an explosion in a way, but a, like, I don't, I can't really explain it. Just like a poof. And then there was this space, like it was busy, busy words, 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 words. And then all of a sudden poof. And it was quiet. And it was, it, at first it was a little eerie, to be honest. It was a little creepy because I'm like, where did it all go? Where's all, where's the storm? Where's the thoughts? Where, where, what happened to my mind? I thought something broke and it actually was really profound. In that moment, I realized this is the space. And it wasn't just one little space between the thoughts that I had before. It was like, there was just space. There was no thoughts. And it happened for about two to three days. It stayed like that. And the next day we went into the course and they asked for an intention. What's your intention? I'm just like, I'm looking in my mind, it's so quiet. It's like, there's nothing there. There's no words coming. All I felt was space, space. And I realized for me, as I was going through the yoga therapy training, I was receiving all of that. We were clearing a lot from the physical body. I cleared so much from my physical body that it actually created space in my mind. Again, when I talked earlier about my body, when my body was in chaos, my mind was in chaos. So, and I find the same thing happens if I'm, if I'm eating the foods that nourish me and that don't trigger any kind of reaction in my body, if I'm choosing my yoga practice and my meditation practice, and I'm choosing those things that actually nurture my physical body, then my mind is actually calm. If I let those things go and I get into kind of a chaotic state in my physical body, my physical body starts to get wound up my mind starts to get wound up. So my mind and my body are a reflection of each other. And we can't separate the two because they influence each other directly. And the thing with the mind as well is when we actually create these visions or we imagine things or we use visuals or we tell ourselves something, the mind doesn't know the difference between something that's happening and something that's perceived. So if you're constantly feeling anxious at the level of the mind, the body's going to feel anxious. You're going to have that stress response in the body. So the more you start to change your thoughts, the more you can actually change your physical body as well. And you can bring your body back into harmony. So there's a direct connection between your thoughts and your body and your emotions. Now, the idea of having meditation be a practice all day long. That's where you can shift from meditation to mindfulness. The two for me are connected. And when I look at my whole life being a meditation, it's a living, breathing meditation. If I'm driving and I'm feeling like I'm not breathing, I'll pause. Like this morning, I felt like my breath had been shallow probably for a while that this morning. So I started to take some deep breaths. And as soon as I did that, I felt my body shift. I felt my energy shift. And then I've, I've felt different ever since. So sometimes we can get wound up just out of habit. Sometimes we can get wound up and, and lose our breath for whatever reason. There may be no you know, anxiety or anything specific. It can just be habit. Sometimes it can be physical. The physical body needs to move. You may have some tension in your body that's actually restricting the movement in your rib cage. Then those kinds of you know, yoga or 
exercises that can actually stretch and release those, those that holding pattern in the body can help improve your meditation, which can actually calm your mind. So it's all connected. When you're on the road driving, when you're in the grocery line waiting, when you're at the bank, it doesn't matter where you are. The one tool that you have with you all the time is your breath. Just breathe. Breathing in and breathing out. I'm breathing in and thank you. Using gratitude. So give your mind a task, give it something to do and see what happens. These, these, these tools sound really simple. They're not always easy to remember or integrate, but when you do, they can have a profound impact. And a lot of people really take the breath for, for advantage. They take advantage of the breath and don't really recognize the power that that particular tool has to shift your experience in that moment. So breathing is essential. Practice it, use it, take it. One other thing I do with the breath often in the beginning, I remember when I was teaching the yoga for fertility classes in Vancouver, I would actually have people count their breath. And it's a really good exercise to create awareness as to how long your inhale is compared to your exhale. But I also found that as you're counting the breath, your breath changes and shifts and then it eventually lengthens, just naturally lengthens as you're bringing your awareness to it. So the counting the breath would be starting with your inhale at one, two, three, four, five. And then as you exhale, start again at one, two, three, four, five, six. And it's not about, oh, if it goes to three or four or 10, or if your, your breath in is only two counts and your breath out is five counts, that's not what we're focusing on. Just start with counting the breath, noticing and observing. And you will notice that your in-breath may be different than your out-breath. Totally okay. In the beginning, just let it be. Eventually, as you do that, you might notice that as you start to count, you, you start to lengthen both the in-breath and the out-breath. And that's, that's great if you can do that. If you can allow that, it often happens naturally. I will often encourage people to take a longer exhale to breathe out a little bit more because a lot of times what we'll do is we'll breathe in shallow and exhale shallow. And many of us don't actually even use the lower lobes of the lungs as effectively as we can. So when we're breathing, a lot of times people are chest breathing. And when you're chest breathing, you're actually only accessing the top part of the lungs. And when you can actually soften and expand, you'll feel on your breath in that your ribs expand out and your belly can even expand because your diaphragm pushes down. And then as you exhale, your ribs and your belly can come back in. And when you start to allow the breath to deepen into the lungs, you can increase the oxygen that you're taking in and you can increase the oxygen that goes to every area of your body, including your mind. And an oxygenated, oxygenated mind is a healthier mind. So we want to be able to use the breath to give and send oxygen to all the cells in our body, all the muscles, all the structures, all the organs, all the systems. Now, let's look at a mindfulness practice. So people are like, I don't have time to meditate. Sure. 
I understand. However, you do have time. You can make time to be mindful. Because as you're eating, you can be mindful as you're eating. So as you put the food in your mouth, you can be mindful of yourself chewing, swallowing. You can be mindful of the taste of the food. You can use all your senses to be mindful. And that's one of the meditations I've done before too. I've kind of lead people through the senses. So what are you hearing? What are you seeing? What are you sensing, feeling? What are you smelling? What are you tasting? Mindfulness is a practice. Again, it's giving the mind something to do, a task to focus on. And when you do that, it calms it. It calms the mind. It's not grasping, looking, searching, seeking, trying to figure something out. It's like, oh, here, focus here. Okay, I'll focus there. So mindfulness when you're eating. Mindfulness when you're eating is actually really good for your digestion as well because you're actually helping your body with the digestive process, encouraging it. When you're actually stressed and in that sympathetic nervous system is, is turned on and you're in that state of flight or fight, then your digestive system isn't working very well. You can't absorb the nutrients because the blood is actually taken away from the digestion. It's taken away from the system, any system that doesn't need to run for your life. That's what it's designed for, is to fight or run for your life. So when you're in that state, your, your systems aren't working well. Your digestion is not, not absorbing. Your digestion isn't absorbing the nutrients the way it needs to. Breathing can help you with that. Other tools that I've used are, I, I could go on and on. I, I had like a 100-day meditation. I still had more tools I could have used in, in that meditation. The biggest thing I can share with you the the best advice i have is to just use what works for you right now and if that means listening to a meditation then do so if it means finding something to give your mind a focus and that might be someone guiding you through that it might be music guiding you it might be mindfulness as you're eating it might be mindfulness as you're walking I remember going to a Buddhist temple and we did a sitting meditation. We did a walking meditation and then they, they did a few other different forms of meditation. But I remember in the walking meditation, there was a very intentional mm, guidance around it. They kind of directed you around it and then let you go off and you're just walking. It sounds so simple, but placing your foot, rolling through the foot, being aware of how your foot feels as it touches the ground. And being aware of how it feels to pick your pick your leg up and place your foot down in front of you. Notice how you feel as you're as you're walking, and how is your breath when you're walking. Now, if you take that mindfulness meditation in walking, and you bring that into the forest, or nature, or along the ocean, which is one of my favorite places, then you could actually incorporate into what do I smell. What do I taste? You can maybe taste the ocean air. What do I hear? You can hear the ocean. You can hear the birds. You can hear nature. When you bring in your other senses, you're bringing yourself into that state of being fully present to what is in that moment. And it's in that moment where we actually have the opportunity to heal anything that's left over, to clear any emotions or density that's there. 
I believe that the one reason that most people or a lot of people avoid meditation is because they're avoiding being fully present with the feelings and the layers that they need to feel. And the challenges right now with the way we're moving in the world, you can't avoid those, pla those places within you anymore. You can't avoid those places of density. You can't avoid those old traumas. You can't bury them down anymore. You can't numb them out and shove them in a corner deep down inside of you anymore because everything's coming up to the surface for healing. That's the shift that's happening. That's that the next great awakening is upon us. So everything that we've tried to kind of, any of our leftovers is actually rising up to the surface whether we want it to or not. And a lot of times in mindfulness and meditation, we, when we sit and we're quiet and we breathe, it can feel like a big wave of intensity and it's hard to manage and navigate. And that's where you may need someone to guide you through that, or you may need to listen to meditation that will kind of keep you moving through it, but not overwhelmed by it. And maybe you need to work with a practitioner or a healer or someone that can actually help you through that big dense layer so that you can actually then sit in meditation and not have to face that, that bear or that darkness rising within you. Meditation is, is a practice that you can, anybody can do it at any time. And I would encourage you just to find what works for you in that moment. So what used to work for me 15, 20 years ago, it doesn't really resonate so much anymore. My meditation practice has evolved a lot. One of the common questions I get is how long do I have to meditate or how long should my meditation practice be? it doesn't have to be anything. That's the thing is like, there's no one recipe. Now in the beginning, you may want to set a timer. I found for me to put like a 10 minute timer on or a 21 minute timer, something to kind of give your mind of like, okay, I'll sit for this long. And it, and it kind of allowed my mind to actually go, okay, it's 10 minutes. I can do 10 minutes or 11 minutes. I can do 11 minutes. And I found that it was really helpful to use a timer for me for a while. Now what I'll, what I'll do is in the middle of the night, if I wake up at two or three, I'm suddenly awake, I stay in bed and I meditate. I'm just breathing in, I'm breathing out. Sometimes I have things that I'm working on. Sometimes I have things that I'm processing. Sometimes I'm doing healing on myself. Sometimes I'm doing healing work with other people remotely through my, through my, my sleep kind of in, in between state of awakeness and meditation. And it just, I, it just, I'm really calm in it. It doesn't, I don't get all worked up if I wake up in the middle of the night anymore. I just go right into meditation. People always ask how long I meditate. I, I pretty much meditate 24 hours a day. As I'm doing this show, I'm in a state of meditation. I'm in a state of calm and allowing the message to come through me. For me, that's a state of mindfulness, which is meditation. How long do I sit and meditate? It depends. I don't sit and meditate a lot. I usually lie down and meditate because my body can soften better. And when I'm sitting in a seated position, sometimes my spine doesn't feel comfortable. So I find that if I can keep my body really comfortable and support my body in meditation, that I'm able to stay in meditation longer. So on average, I would say, because I often wake up at four in the morning or five in the morning, on average, I, I, I stay in meditation, actively in meditation, more that healing kind of modality meditation. I do a healing circle every day for my, my membership. 
those kinds of things is usually two to two two hours a day sometimes in the middle of the night if i'm doing kind of that in between things in the middle of the day meditation to pause and kind of reset everything then it's usually i usually set a timer for 11 minutes 11 seconds right in the middle of the day and that's really helpful for me to kind of recharge and and regroup and land back in the present moment again so I hope this was helpful. I hope this gave you some different ideas and different tools. If you want more, if you go to the Heart Yes Movement, I know the 100-day meditation was a while ago, but you can come to Facebook, join the Heart Yes Movement group, and search 100-day or day meditation, and it'll bring up some of the old posts that I did and some of the things that I was sharing. And, you know, I'm, I did actually collect it all into one document. I think eventually I'll probably just put it as a, like an ebook or something like that. I just haven't gotten into it. And I just was remembering now that I have it actually in a document. So I will eventually share that with everybody. However, for now, just begin with your breath. You've got your breath right here, right now. Begin here and now and see what happens. Begin by saying yes to meditation. Begin by saying yes to being more mindful. Just begin with yes and see what happens. Start your morning with, yes, thank you. Breathe in, breathe out, yes, thank you. Start with gratitude. It's a great way to practice mindfulness and it softens you and kind of brings you into the present moment. Whatever works for you right now, do it. Remember that meditation is about doing, yes, but it's more about being in the doing. If you focus on being in the doing or being present in the doing, you're practicing meditation. So I'd love to hear how your practice goes. And if you're implementing some of the tools or integrating some of the things I've shared, I'd love to hear more. And I thank you once again for joining me and for sharing this time together with me, for letting me into your life. I love you. I appreciate you. I honor you. I see you. Until next week. Namaste. You've been listening to Life by Divine with your host, Sue DeMay. Shift your consciousness from head to heart and enliven your soul as you discover how to lead with your heart and live your own life by divine. Join Sue in the growing global heart-led living community at heartledliving.com. That is heartledliving.com.